This is different, way up here. The only pulpit mentioned in the Bible is uh, when Ezra, in the book of Nehemiah, they built a pulpit of wood, and they read the law, the Word of God, and it says that he was above the people. So this is definitely above the people. I appreciate Brother Norvalee. Uh, for helping with the props and building this awesome deer stand. So it'll, it'll be uh, ongoing throughout the rest of the message.
Good to be at Promised Land today, and I tell you, I, this is a song that just uh, has been a great part of my ministry the last few weeks, and I've used this song to uh, to sing before I preached a message that I built entitled "I'll Be Back." You know, we serve a Savior that does not uh, let things of this life hinder Him from doing the things that God has already put in His heart, and that one thing is our Savior is preparing a place for us. How many of you believe that? The Bible says in John chapter 14, I like these verses. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. This is the best part. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. And I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I want you to go on this journey with me on this song entitled, I'll Be Back. One day up in heaven, the Savior said goodbye. As he started on his journey, the holy angels cried. I turned to face his father, and this I heard him say. Mankind owns a debt below that only I could pay. But I'll be back I'll be back I'll be gone for a little while But one day I'm coming back I'll be back On His way to Jerusalem Jesus told His men You'll see the Son betrayed there. You'll see Him condemned. You'll see them mock me and curse me. You'll see me crucified. You'll see me suffer in agony. And there you'll see me die. But I'll be back. I'll be back. Just be gone for a little while, I'll be back. And after they laid my sweet Jesus in the tomb, he got up, took a trip down below, and showed the devil that he had lost the battle for a man's soul. And I believe that he took the keys. He looked the devil right in the eyes. He said the grave could not hold me. I'm headed back to glory. The devil keep this in mind. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be gone for a season, oh boy. But one day I'm coming back. I'll be back. One day on a hillside, as Jesus rose up in the clouds, the words He spoke come flooding back to some young men in the crowd. He said, I go to prepare a place, but I'll be back again. Gonna take my people to a land where joy shall never end. And I'll be back. I'll be back. Oh, I'm going to take you to a land where joy shall never end. I'll be back. Yes, he'll be back. Oh, I hope you're ready to meet him. 
him in the clouds Cause he is soon coming back He'll be back Oh Church Don't lose faith Cause he's coming back Looks like a good morning for a deer hunt. I'm ready to see a big one today. Right. Make my way to my deer stand. A lot of memories right here. Big old 14 points. Why are y'all laughing? That was in Texas. All right. Oh, I see the sun coming up. And listen, that wildlife got all that. Wow, that sun came up quick. There we go. Good deal. Thanks for everybody's help. Good deal. You know, when I deer hunt out of a stand, you know, I've hunted out of a tree climber and bow hunting and everything else. And you're hunting out of a tree climber or bow hunting, boy, you got to pay attention uh, to everything. Uh, your scent, you do all the prep work, everything like that. But, you know, when I'm in my deer stand like this and deer hunting, it is really a gift from God. And you all see the title of the message there, that a look at life from the deer stand. And so, you know, and a lot of us especially... Some people take deer hunting more serious than others. When I go to a deer stand, I'm all about comfort. Now, Brother Norberly brought me a stool. I like to have a comfortable chair. And I got, I got all my gear on. I brought my gun. You know, I got my knife. Every country boy's got a knife. But if I'm in the deer stand, well, there's some essentials. You know, Coffee. Oh, yeah. And uh, to me, some people don't like coffee. And then I happen to bring a good book every now and then. And uh, have that. Some people have the Bible on their their phones now. I've got one of those, too. And uh, if you have your Bible, I invite you to join with me to the book of Genesis. We'll start there. Book of Genesis. And just talk about, you know, deer hunting being a gift from God. Now, because, man, those specials was great. Brother Kenny, I was listening to you. That was good. I was out there getting all my stuff together, listening to that. And uh, Miss Dina and Taylor, awesome job. Everybody's just doing really well. Uh, it is just really great. But there's some good points to make about a look at life from the deer stand. And I want to quickly take a look at these. Some people don't know about some of these scriptures that I want to share with you this morning. Go ahead and get a finger on uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 25, and then flip all the way over to Genesis chapter 9. Now, this is a very interesting point. 
Very interesting. Matter of fact, if this wasn't in the Bible, you wouldn't be eating venison. If this was not in the Bible, you wouldn't be eating any venison. All right, in Genesis 1.25, when God made everything and everything was good, which means everything was perfect, by the way. 1.25, it says, So God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw it was good. So everything from the snails to the turtles to the deer to the whales, to you know, and all those things that were in the sea, everything. And God said, let us make man in our image. So he made man. And then it says, let them have dominion over the fish. That means you can go fishing. Over the fowl, that means you can go bird hunting. Over the cattle, that means you can uh, deer hunt, turkey hunt, uh, bird hunt, every kind of hunt. You have. It says have dominion, all right? And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. Created he him, male and female created them. So, and basically chapter 2 is just a uh, kind of a commentary on all of that. So, he made everything. And then it says, uh, if we keep reading uh, through verse 31, it says, uh, verse 29, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, every tree. I'm still in Genesis 129 which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth on the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything he made on the first six days, and it was good. He rested the seventh. Now, I know I'm kind of summarizing because this. Did you know that before the flood, man and animals were herbivores? We all, no, everybody was a vegetarian. Nobody ate meat. No, nowhere. After the flood, things changed. That's in Genesis chapter 9. That's after the flood, after Noah and his family of eight get off. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. It's, it's real simple, real easy. So why do we eat deer meat? It is a blessing from God. Why do we hunt? Number one, God said, we can have dominion. It doesn't say abuse. You can abuse anything. Matter of fact, I throw it in there in our introduction. It says, when you worship the creation more than the creator, you're abusing it. Okay? So when you put deer hunting ahead of God. It, now, I understand, you know, people hunt. I've had deacons for hunt on Sunday, and they, and they come up here, and some people don't. Don't think that's right. They can take it up with the deacon or whomever. I can't do that because of being the preacher, obviously, and I say you can't. But, but what it means is basically this. It doesn't, there's no rule or saying you can't hunt, then you come to church and this and that on Sunday. But we should, number one, you just, this will solve everything. Do we worship the, that which is created more than the creator? And that's what, and I have the reference, so I'm not going to turn over there and read it, but I did point it out to you. Romans 1.25, it says that man chased his affections and worshiped and served the creature. That means any created thing more than the creator who created it. And in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah. Somebody said it would be hot up here, and it is pretty warm up here up top. God blessed Noah and his son, said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth. No wonder they run whenever they see you. (laughs) 
Everything, I mean, I guarantee you, you walk up to a pond and minnows will run from you, okay? And everything, I mean, God put a natural fear of man in everything on, on this earth. You say, well, there's some things that attack you when cornered, when hungry, and stuff like that. That's their instinct for survival. But here, then it says, notice this, uh, so the fear of you, and upon every fowl of the air, upon everything that moves upon the earth, all the fishes of the sea... Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be for meat for you, even as the green herb as I have given all things. So that's where it changed. God changed mankind and animal kingdom after the flood, and they became carnivores. And I love protein. <laughs> I love meat. I love chili. I love venison. I love Protein. I love the, to eat a hamburger. Some people, and it is. I'm sure it's not. Venison's a lot better for you than a lot of other things. Okay, moving on into uh, point number one, what I call the safety of deer hunting. <clears throat> now, this is a good point. Now, I did. Somebody mentioned, said, uh, Brother Michael, when you preach your sermon, you're going to have your orange vest on because it's got to be real. If we're gun hunting, that's the, and why did we start, I remember, and some of y'all remember back whenever, before all this. There used to be a time whenever there wasn't as much safety. Okay, all right, and we have orange, so hunters can, you know, and I've never, you know, I've never really comprehended, I've been raised around guns all my life and gun safety, and even though that this old gun right here, it has no magazine, it has no firing pin, no bolt, no anything, it's totally inoperable, but it is a gun. Okay, and uh, and looking at this gun here, even though it's incapable of firing, I will never point it at you. My dad raised me strict, and and uh, being a son of a state trooper and raised in, there were guns everywhere in our home. And guess what? All of them were loaded. Every one of them. Dad said unloaded guns have killed more people, so we're just going to keep them all loaded. Well, that was his philosophy as a state trooper. But still, he said, he raised me strict. He said, son, don't ever point a gun at something that you're not ready to shoot at it. Okay? So, that, I mean, that was just, I mean, it was from knee high to a grasshopper all the way up. I heard this all my life. So, all about safety. He was strict on safety. So, everywhere, Jeff was with me one time when I thought this was uh, unloaded and squeezed the trigger one time. And it went off. But guess what? It was pointed in a safe direction, okay? And so, therefore, got safety there. But, hey, it's good to be safe in the woods. And, yes, there have been a lot of hunters injured and even killed because of lack of safety or lack of following things. Now, when it comes to our walk with Christ, our safety is in Jesus. Our safety is in Him. Two quick scriptures. I'm going to head to John chapter 10. And Romans chapter 8, you know, the great thing about, uh, some people say this is a Baptist doctrine. It's not a Baptist doctrine. It is a Bible doctrine. And the Bible doctrine says that we cannot lose our salvation. Our security is in Christ. So in other words, you know, some people said, uh, matter of fact, uh, I was uh, really... Uh, I went up there and I was subbing at the school and I lengthened my sub of time out 
Uh, so I was subbing at the junior high, me and Coach Roberts. We had like 90 junior high students. There were a lot of teachers out for meetings and to go to the funeral uh, Thursday. And, uh, and I was so, I was glad that I was able to be a volunteer and sub at the junior high so other people who have known the Pierce family for a lot longer than I have could go to the funeral. I heard Shrey did a good job. I heard, uh, uh, Brother Bobby Pennington did an excellent job and he addressed it head on. There's no sin. And a lot of people are just because of culture or tradition think that suicide will send a person straight to hell, and it doesn't. There's only one thing that sends a person to hell, and that's not accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, once you get saved, if you can change who your earthly dad is, then you can change who your heavenly father is. And guess what? You cannot change either. Once you're born into the flesh, your parents are set. That's it. You can't change who they are biologically, okay? And spiritually, you cannot change who your heavenly Father is. The Bible says in John chapter 10, and I know I think this may be backwards, but either way, uh, and I'll get to Philippians in just a second, but John chapter 10, it says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. It doesn't say one week, one month life. When you get saved, do you get eternal life or one year life? You get eternal life. In other words, if God, if you were saved for a week or a year and then lost it, how long you don't have eternal life? You get you had one year life, okay? But it also says nobody can pluck you out of my hand or my father's hand, and it says I and my father are one. Somebody said, well, you can pluck yourself out, but it says no man, nobody, including yourself, and then. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, oh, I'm, I'm rich, I'm poor, bad things happen, all these things happen. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, I'm in Romans 8, 38, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any. And if you have a King James Bible, it says any other creature, and that means any other created thing. And you and I are a created thing. So some people say you can cause yourself, but I'm a created thing. I can't even cause myself. If you can have a falling out with your parents, you can have a falling out with God, but it doesn't change who they are. You not talk to them and stuff, stuff, what have you, not obey them. Same thing with your Heavenly Father. You know, God wants us to be seen and I want to keep going in Philippians. And again, the reason for my orange vest. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. It says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights. And you know, y'all can see this. And it is bright. Boy, I've got this bright orange vest. Took it to Colorado this summer. And if we fell off a mountain, I wanted them to be able to see me. And uh, so, you know, that's visibility. I ask you, if you're saved, how visible are you spiritually? Spiritually, do you act like a Christian when you're out in the world? You're, what kind of light are you broadcasting? So safety of deer hunting is good and our safety is in Christ. The skill of deer hunting. 
you know, and uh, just go ahead and head to Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 2, just a great verse. You know, and getting ready for deer hunting, I got ready this season. Matter of fact, uh, I took my uh, other rifle out that uh, Caleb used to harvest a couple deer yesterday, and, and, uh, and I shot it, and I shot it at one time. You know, sometimes things happen and they get off. You got the scope, you know, and you're looking and, and you go out and check it. You may have to make some adjustments, preparation. You know, in the skill of deer hunting, there's all kind of skills. Some people are really good at it. You know why? They do all the homework. They do all the studies. They, they spray themselves down. Man, they got scent cover. I mean, they put on the, the fox urine and cover their tracks and everything else. Man, they, they're skilled at it. But they, but they really, hey, listen, you put a lot of work into something, usually you get good results. If you just go out there and, and yeah, some people just go out there and sit on a log and they shoot something. And yeah, it happens. There's plenty of animals running around in the woods like that. But folks, if I want to do my best, 2 Timothy 2.15 says that I need to prepare spiritually. My skill is, you know, I study deer hunting while I need to study Jesus. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So my skill, I've got my scent covered to do all this. 1 Peter 3.15, you know, it says this, that I need to be ready to give answers to everybody, anybody that may ask me. And if I, you know, if I do all my homework and, and I do all that and you, and you get ready, then you never know when you might see the big one and the big one might come out. You know, the surprise of deer hunting, you never know when a buck deer might show up. And it's a great thing to be, do all your homework and to get ready because you never know whenever you might see a buck deer. It'll just take you by surprise. You never... Y'all hear something? Shh. You never know if there might be a buck deer around us. Anytime, anywhere. Well, guess what? Whenever you are hunting, you've got to pay attention to stuff. Patrick, a deer. Man, I'm a skilled hunter. I just nothing gets by me, Patrick. I don't see him. Anyway, you did good. I need all the help I can get. Okay, well. Hey, I'm trying to preach a sermon here. If y'all want to let me, I don't know where, I don't still don't see any deer. Anyway, so I appreciate everybody has been helping me do all this stuff today. Man, it's been great. Well, just like deer hunting, you have to be ready for any opportunity. But you know what? As this surprise opportunity comes about, you know, I'm sitting there waiting, and basically, have you ever thought about that? You know, to me, this is, uh, this right here is, uh, you know, this is the one style of hunting. Well, I got a gun that'll reach for two or three hundred yards. Uh, I got coffee. I got this seat here. I got a fancy chair normally. 
But to me, real hunting, you go out there and you do all the prep work, and I mean, it's just you and the deer. There's no fancy stuff involved. That, to me, is real hunting. And I do all that prep work and everything, and, and I love hunting like this. This is what I call relaxed hunting, being a box stand with a few goodies and snacks. I, one thing I do not believe in, I do not believe in being hungry while I'm hunting. And uh, so I do all this stuff, and guess what? Especially on a stand, guess what you're after? You just want a deer to show up. And all y'all put out that rice bran and that corn, and along comes the deer. But some of y'all, listen to this, Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And uh, y'all did good. I was wanting the kids to point and see whatever went on behind me. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, But guess what? Just like when you never know when the big one will show up, how many of y'all, be honest, had an opportunity to witness a moment that you did not think was going to happen? Yeah. And you missed it. I've missed deer both with my eyes and with a gun. And I'm not proud of either one of them. Amen. Deer hunters. Miss it with my eyes or my gun. I'm I'm not proud of that. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. How many of y'all get, hey, listen to me very closely because I'm about to hit you in the gut. How many of you feel the same way about missing a chance to witness to somebody? You know what I mean? You get all frustrated and mad. I've seen people throwing stuff. Whenever they missed an opportunity at a big buck. I have hardly ever seen anybody react the same way. Concerning missing the opportunity to witness to somebody. Ooh. Folks, I know what you... I feel the same way. Both counts. I know exactly what we're talking about when we miss the big one. The opportunity. Have we prepared... Lastly, in closing, is what I call the seriousness of deer hunting. Jesus is our sacrifice. And uh, I want you to head to First uh, Peter chapter 2. All right, let me get out of here safely. We're going to be wrapping up here in just a second. And uh, they're, they're ready. <laughs> well, we got two scriptures. 1 Peter 2.24 and 1 Peter 3 and 18. The seriousness of, of, of deer hunting is this. There's some people that take off the whole, man, a whole week of the modern gun season. They take off from work and they're serious about it. Man, I want to get after it. Some people are serious about it. They'll spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars every year on deer hunting. And so that's seriousness. And folks, the seriousness of this sermon, and I hope you've seen all these parallels. They've been obvious. 
They've been obvious, the orange vest and everything like that. They've been, they've just been really easy to see. I need to prepare. I need to study and all of these things. Now, the seriousness of this, people sacrifice for something they enjoy. And that's good. That's okay. It's okay. But folks, Jesus sacrificed so you could enjoy a home in heaven with him. And that's serious. You know, and all these, this has been fun, and I thank the church for their indulgence in allowing me to go the extra mile on Camo Sunday. And, uh, and I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. But this, all these parallels are leading to this last point. The seriousness of deer hunting is people make sacrifices. The seriousness of our Savior is He is our sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, Who in His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. And I'm not talking about a tree stand. On the cross. Whosoever is put to death on the tree, the Bible says, is made a curse. Cursed is he is everyone that hangeth upon the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. In my Bible, just a little ways over, 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also hath once, he just had to die one time, suffered for sins, the just, he's just, for the unjust, who's unjust, me and you, we're all sinners, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened. By the Spirit. Now I want to ask y'all this this morning. I finished in plenty of time for you to consider this question. We enjoy deer hunting. We enjoy these other things in life. And the Bible, I've already shown you where God allows us this privilege. If, as long as we don't worship creation more than the Creator. Okay? The next thing is, if you were to die today... I mean, naturally, heart attack, car wreck, whatever. A serious question, serious question. Where are you going when you die? And why? People, I, I asked a fellow that last week, a fellow I'd never met before. And I asked him, and I said, where are you going when you die? And he said, I hope, I, I think I may go to heaven. Well, the Bible says you can know that you're going to heaven. Now, this is to be very, very blunt and honest with you. If you've never prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, then you do not have a home in heaven. Now, I'm not saying a set of words or anything. I'm saying, why even ask Him? Why even ask? Why even say a prayer? The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why I need a Savior. Jesus died to pay for the price of my sins so that I could have, like Brother Kenny said, He'll come back and get me. He's preparing a place for me. The older I get, the more I realize and long for that home in heaven. So, it's not. it sounds... Brother Trey continued my series. It sounds like there's something, a trick question to it, but he said it's simple. Salvation is simple. It's a hard question, but a simple answer. There's a sin problem. Jesus is the answer to the problem. 
Let him be your Savior today. My Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say uh, only a certain few or certain ones, but it says for whosoever. So whatever you need to do today, if you need to pray, if you need to come to the altar, I know it's covered with burlap, but it still works. Whatever you need to do today, if you can pray right there in the pew and uh, get things right with God, ask the Lord to be your Savior. As we all stand, I don't know what the, uh, the plans are. I think we're going to have some music and song. And uh, so whatever God may be laying upon your heart this morning, Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the ones that are here. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be in charge of this invitation. Dear Lord, that uh, people would realize their need of a Savior and realize that you are the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just if you know someone you need to pray for, now's the time. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is holy. Be still, O restless soul of mine, bow before the Prince of Peace. Let the noise and clamor cease. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is faithful. Consider all that He has done. Stand in awe and be amazed. Know that He will never change. Be still. Be still. And know that He Beating for 
each of us to come. Be still. Be still.